We're talking about Dutch New York today. The Dutch. We're going to start off with geography. There's a previous episode where I talked about a little about geography, the arrival of the first, well, and then the native peoples. I talked about the Lenape, and then I talked about the Iroquois, and then I talked about some Europeans arriving, Henry Hudson sailing up the Hudson River. Oh, I want to note this. If you read anything about the history of the Hudson River, it'll say, and then they named it the Hudson River in 1800 or something. But I was reading William Bradford. William Bradford. What's his work, William Bradford? Journal of Plymouth Plantation or something? William Bradford, Plymouth. Anyway, whatever. He had a journal. He talks about the Hudson River. He calls it the Hudson River. This is like 1620. I mean, it had happened like 10 years before. A little more, but... So, the idea that it wasn't named the Hudson River for a long time afterward, it's a little little curious to me. Maybe it had a bunch of different names, like the name was unsettled. But we mentioned Henry Hudson, 1609, going up the Hudson River before, in that previous episode. We're going to do some more geography. We're going to back up, do some more geography. The Great Lakes. Did you know this? And maybe you did. But at some point in the not-that-distant past, I didn't realize this, the Great Lakes do all flow into each other. And in fact, they flow out to the Atlantic Ocean. So here are the Great Lakes. Superior, I'm doing this from memory. I do have some notes for this one, but I'm not looking at it right now. Superior, Michigan, Huron, Erie, Ontario. All right. So Lake Superior, Duluth, Minnesota. That's like the furthest westward point of Lake Superior. While the water flows from Superior to Michigan to Huron to Erie to Ontario, between Erie and Ontario, that's right by Buffalo, New York, I think, you have Niagara Falls between Erie and Ontario. And then the Ontario empties into the St. Lawrence River. And that flows out to the Gulf of St. Lawrence, I guess it is. Is it a bay? A gulf? I forget now. And obviously, now we're in the Atlantic Ocean. There's some other bodies of water just worth mentioning here. There's Lake Champlain. That's on the border between New York and Vermont. And then there's the Richelieu River, I think, that flows from Lake Champlain northward to the St. Lawrence River. I don't know if we mentioned the Mohawk before. The Mohawk River flows from west to east. It flows from the west into the Hudson River, which then flows south. And I mentioned these rivers too. You can step back and look at what are the major rivers of the northeast of the United States. The Potomac, the Susquehanna, Potomac, Susquehanna. <laughs> I never feel like I'm saying these words right. I'm not sure. Potomac and Susquehanna. The, oh, the Delaware, right. The Delaware and the Hudson. The Connecticut and the Merrimack, which is what I'm kind of along right now. And then the Kennebec up in Maine. Potomac, Susquehanna, Delaware, Hudson, 
Connecticut, Merrimack, Kennebec. The Delaware forms the border between Pennsylvania and New Jersey, the Delaware River. The Connecticut forms the border between Vermont and New Hampshire, and then it flows south, basically, through central Massachusetts. That's just a little bit more geography that I happen to learn. Felt like throwing it in here. The native peoples, a little bit more about them, specifically about the language groups. So there's two language families that we were talking about last time, and I don't think I knew this quite yet last time, I don't think. Now, I mentioned Algonquian, and I mentioned Iroquois. Well, the Iroquoian languages, that is a family. That's a family of languages. Those are the major groups of languages. A family of languages are languages that are known to, or at least posited to have had a common ancestor language that they evolved from. So once upon a time, there was this one language. I guess we call it Proto-Iroquoian, I guess. I'm making that up. And all these other Iroquoian languages were, you know, the various permutations of that prior Proto-language. Well, for Algonquian, there was something called Proto-Algic. So we call the Algonquian languages, that's a subfamily of the Algic language family. So you have the Algic language family. That consists of the Algonquian languages, and there's a bunch of those, including the Lenape language. And then there's like a couple of other small groups, and they're actually like way off in California. So Algic apparently was spoken throughout the whole continent, or at least, you know, from west to east. But by the time the Europeans are here, seems like there was just a couple of dots over in California, and then all the other Algonquian languages are around the Great Lakes and along the northeast coast of North America. Here are some Iroquoian peoples. First off, there's SCOOM. <laughs> That's an acronym I made up, but it kind of suggested itself. That's some of the Iroquoian-speaking peoples formed a league, the Iroquois League, or the Haudenosaunee League, Haudenosaunee Confederacy. All right, it was a a group of Iroquoian-speaking peoples that joined together into sort of a larger political unit. We, we can just call it the Iroquois League. Not all Iroquoian-speaking peoples were in this league. In fact, some of them fought wars with this league. So it's not like all the Iroquoian peoples are kind of united together. This subset of Iroquoian-speaking peoples formed a confederacy. And they fought against, could be Europeans, it could be Algonquian-speaking peoples, it could be other Iroquois, Iroquoian-speaking peoples. At any rate, Skoom, these are the members of the Iroquois League, the Seneca, the Cayuga, the Onondaga, the Oneida, and the Mohawk. Seneca, Cayuga, Onondaga, Oneida, and the Mohawk. And that is from west to east. That's in the order in which they lived, roughly. But there are, as I said, other Iroquoian-speaking peoples. The Huron are Iroquois. The Erie are Iroquois. The Tuscarora, who... I believe, later join the Iroquoian Confederacy, or the Iroquois Confederacy. Okay, so Huron, Erie, Tuscarora, Susquehannock, 
They were a little further south. And the Cherokee were Iroquois. That one surprised me because they were so far south, I thought. I think this is kind of a fuzzy memory uh, from the research. But I think the idea is that actually the Iroquois people started off closer to where the Cherokee were and then migrated northward. So really, in a way, like the Iroquois League, they were the ones who had, you know, kind of traveled. Now, I could be wrong about that, though. I, I don't Maybe I shouldn't even mention that. But I think that might be the case. Or at least maybe that was like one of the theories about the origins of the Iroquois-speaking peoples. At any rate, those are the Iroquoian-speaking peoples. They lived primarily around Lake Erie, Lake Ontario, and the St. Lawrence River. They lived in that region. The Algic languages, like I said, there's a couple over in California, and then there's the Algonquian languages, a subset of Algic. And they're kind of all over the Great Lakes region and along the northeast coast. And the Lenape, who are living on what we call Manhattan now, actually they were living in New Jersey and along the Hudson River. That's the right way to say it. So the Lenape were an Algonquian-speaking people, which means their language belonged to this Algic family. They were living in New Jersey and along the Hudson River, including Manhattan. And the word Manhattan comes from their word Manahata, something like that. The Mohicans were another Algonquian tribe. They were living north of the Lenape. So you have the Lenape and then the Mohicans, as opposed to the Mohawk. I don't know why. I guess they're not really the similar words, but words that start with the same letter, sometimes we mix them up. So you have the Mohawk. They were part of the Iroquois Confederacy. And then you have the Mohicans which are in a similar area. I think the Mohawk are kind of... I got the impression they kind of bullied the Mohicans. Remember, the Iroquois were more settled and were therefore a more powerful society than the, the Algonquian-speaking peoples, which were had a less sedentary lifestyle, had a more hunter-gatherer-style lifestyle. But at any rate, you had the Lenape and you had the Mohicans for Algonquian-speaking peoples in this region. The Lenape were also called the Delaware, were the major events of the native people's history during this period of early European settlement is going to be the Beaver Wars. So the Dutch are going to settle this area because they want beaver furs. And by the way, there are Eurasian beavers. <laughs> so beavers existed on both continents. You know, there's some things that only existed in the old world or the new world. Tomatoes, for instance, were a new world crop. They didn't have tomatoes in Europe. Potatoes come from Peru, apparently. The Inca had potatoes. But the Irish didn't have potatoes until after Columbus and, you know, presumably some extensive time period after Columbus, but the point is there are things that were in the New World or the Old World, just one or the other. Beavers were not one of them. There were beavers in Eurasia, there were beavers in the New World, the native peoples are going to be fighting with each other over control of the beaver fur, which now has a newfound value because of the arrival of the Europeans, specifically the Dutch, who want beaver fur. Though, you know, it's not just the Dutch, it's just those are the people we're going to look at. 
I think just the Dutch in what is New York at this early period. At any rate, on to New Netherland. New Netherland. Is it New Netherland or New Netherlands? So New Netherland. This is the Dutch from the Netherlands. Henry Hudson, remember, had been an Englishman sailing for the Dutch. Maybe that's why the English were so eager early on to name the river after him. Maybe. Or William Bradford is English. He's saying that's the Hudson River in like the 1620s already, when apparently his terminology was not settled. The Dutch New Netherland colony consisted of New Jersey and the Hudson. The Hudson River. So it, it is Lenape Hoking. It's the native territory. I don't think they sent that many people. So I don't think it's quite a conquest. You know, in retrospect, it's clear that, you know, this was part of a larger historical development of the native peoples being dispossessed. I don't think it would have been that obvious then. I don't think, only because there's only so many Dutch coming over. And what are they doing? They're trading. They're, they're exchanging things with the Native Americans who are making money off of this. You know, it wasn't like they didn't want to trade with the Europeans. They did. But the Dutch claim New Jersey and the Hudson River. They claim it as their colony. They're calling it New Netherland. Amsterdam was the capital. I'm assuming it was the capital back then of the Netherlands, too. It's the capital today. At any rate, they name their major settlement on the island of Manhattan. They call it New Amsterdam. And actually, that's not even quite right. They call it Fort Amsterdam, and then they call it New Amsterdam. Some of these sites are going to start off as forts, and then they develop into a larger settlement. So Albany, New York, capital of New York State. You had Fort Nassau, which became Fort Orange, which became Beaverwick, which became Albany. Fort Nassau, Fort Orange, Beaverwick, Albany. I think Beaverwick might be the name of a city up there, right? I lived in upstate New York for a couple of years. Actually, I lived in Amsterdam, New York. The Dutch are settling. The Dutch have claimed this area as New Netherland. They have a couple of major sites. Fort Amsterdam, which becomes New Amsterdam. They have Fort Nassau, which becomes Fort Orange, which becomes Beaverwick and it'll later become Albany. And New Amsterdam, by the way, will become New York City. Later on, the English are going to take this over. But prior to that, the history we're talking about right now is the Dutch period. It's when the Netherlands claimed this area. There's two famous directors from this period. Yeah, one, one other thing, I'll mention it. Remember, Hudson had been hired by the Dutch East India Company. It's the Dutch... West India Company that's going to run New Netherland. Is that important? I don't know. It's just it's on my notes here, so I, I didn't want to skip over it. There's two important directors in the history of the New Netherland colony. Peter Minuit and Peter Stuyvesant. Minuit and Stuyvesant. Minuit is, I think he's the third director 
of the colony, and I think that is what they called their mm, governors. We would have called them governors. I think they were calling them directors or director generals or something. So Minuit is running the colony from 1626 to 1631. The big thing that Minuit does that he's famous for is he buys Manhattan. He trades with the Native Americans, the Lenape, for the island. He gives them some things. I don't know what he gives them off the top of my head. But he trades with them and he buys the island. Then there's Stuyvesant, Peter Stuyvesant. He's the final director of the Netherlands colony. He doesn't come right after Peter Minuit. I don't know the names of you know every director of the colony, but the last director is Peter Stuyvesant. He's the director from 47 to 64. 1647 to 1664. 1664 is when the British are going to take the colony over. But Stuyvesant is famous for basically expanding the colony. He builds a bunch of things. One of the things, and maybe this precedes Stuyvesant, but there was a major trail on Manhattan used by the Native Americans, and the Dutch expand it, and it continues to be used all throughout the island's history, and it today is called Broadway. So Broadway actually starts off as a Native American, a Lenape trail, and then the Dutch use it and expand it, and then we fast forward and it's today's Broadway. The Dutch build a canal, they call it the Broad Canal, and then after some time they end up filling it in, and that's today's Broad Street in New York City. And the New York Stock Exchange is on Broad Street today. It's funny, going back to this period, thinking about the Native Americans and thinking about these Dutch settlers. And, I mean, you've seen these pictures probably before where you have, like, you know, like Manhattan as it would have appeared, you know, pristinely four or 500 years ago, and then Manhattan now. It really is incredible. Wall Street. The British and the Dutch are competing with each other. They're fighting with each other. Stuyvesant apparently builds a wall on the island, on Manhattan, as part of an effort to make it defensible in case the British invade. And Wall Street is named after that wall. So Wall Street is in the vicinity of where this wall would have been. The Rensselaer, am I saying that right? This is another word I've always felt uncomfortable with, Rensselaer. When I lived in upstate New York and I, I took the train a few times, Rensselaer is a word I remember. It turns out Wikipedia said Rensselaer. Well, first off, okay, so Rensselaer, that comes from the name of a Dutch family who settled in upstate New York in this period, during this Dutch um, period, the New Netherlands colony period and I, I guess there's a city up there named after this family it's like one of the busiest Amtrak sites in the country it's just it's funny that the the Wikipedia period it's just it's funny that the Wikipedia page mentioned that because that's what I know it from I remember like the train stopping there for a really long time or something so Rensselaer. 
comes from this period. All right, that's it. This was going to go all the way up through the American Revolution. This started off as a Trump episode. This research. I hate. I feel funny calling it research. I'm not like, you know, at the library or something. I'm looking at Wikipedia and I'm talking about, you know, well-known facts. But whatever. I don't know another word for it. All this stuff I've been learning about New York, it started off as learning about Trump. I was learning about the Trump presidency. And then I started thinking I wanted to learn more about, you know, him and his relationship to New York City. And then I thought, well, I'll back up and learn about what the history of New York City was. Next thing you know, I'm learning about algic languages. (laughs) All right, but we're moving up. We're getting a little bit closer to the Trump presidency. We're at the middle of the 17th century. The British are going to arrive shortly and take over. 